Almighty God, we have already met with you and enjoyed the favor of just uh, singing praises to you, hearing your word, uh, hearing the scriptures, breaking bread, uh, offering our sacrifices of praise through our giving. Uh, we could leave right now, and we our cup is full because we have been blessed, and we live to bless you. And may we never think that it's all about us. May we always know it's all about you, and then it's all about all the people that you love, not just the fact that you love us. We're grateful that you love us, and make us grateful that you love all the people who, who don't know Jesus yet, but could. So may we make room for them, but may we make room right now in our own hearts to hear your word. Tune our hearts, the, the hymn writer put it, tune our hearts now to sing your praise. Tune our hearts, would you please, to hear your word, maybe like never before. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I, I need a couple burly people, strong. Thank, thank you. Probably you and I can do this on our own. My gosh. This is good. Yeah. I'm doing this with one hand. You got that, right? Thank you very much. Thank you, Donald. Thank you, Jim. Jim's one of the designers. Is this cool or what? We're in 1 Corinthians. Our series is called Messy, it's a, and, and uh, it's a messy life. And the series we've actually called Welcome to My Messy Life because life is messy. And the guys who designed this created as best a mess as they could. And you're trying to, th some of you right now are, are going like this. I can see as you're listening to this sermon, you're going like that because you're following the rods. I, I'll just tell you, they're twisted. They're hard, and, and this is very hard. And this is the one, that, the illustration today is this. This is twisted, but it's really hard. And if you run into this, it will not give. It will hurt you. It will hurt you. If you ever run into rebar, you'll know it when you hit it. I mean, it, it's, this is tough stuff. What I have to say today is tough stuff. It's going to be hard. I'm telling you that ahead of time. So turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be mean, nasty, hard. Something like that, would you? Mean, nasty, hard. Now turn back to them and go, but you're up for it, baby. You're up for it. First Corinthians chapter 5 and 6 is where we are today. And, um, and this illustrates for us the mess that we're in. And just because you come to Christ, you think, oh, all, everything will be happy. Everything will be fine. No, no, that's called heaven. Okay? So you aren't there yet. You're still in entangled life. And what we learned from 1 Corinthians early on in the series was just because they came to Christ doesn't mean all the problems were solved. In fact, that's just when they began to see just how messed up their lives really were. And I, I don't like it when I create my own messes, but I really don't like it when I have to clean up other people's messes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever walked in the kitchen and gone, I didn't even do this. I have to clean this up? Anybody, anybody taking the trash out and going, I didn't even fill this trash can. I don't... I didn't do this. You gotten in a car and the tank is empty. Who drove this? They create the mess and then you have to fix it. And you don't like that. None of us do. And so sometimes what happens is we realize we are, we are in messes of our own designing. We're in messes because of other people. And I, I give this, you this comfort. I can't, I don't, we don't have time to read it all, but this is a psalm I fell in love with 
early in life, Psalm 37, write it down. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not fret because of evildoers. You'll, you'll be scared, you'll run and hide, you'll always say, oh, why does this happen? Those who do evil things, the Lord will find them. You can't hide from the Lord. He'll find them, he'll straighten it out, he'll even the score. You do what's right, you live in the land of, of great faith and doing the right thing at the right time and God will take care of it he will even the score so I want to go with you from first Corinthians we're in chapter 5 I want you to go to the end of chapter 6 because I want you to see the end of the story this is called in uh, scholastic ways they call it this a pericope and what a pericope is is one big body of thought sometimes we would call it in English language we would call that a paragraph but this is a series of paragraphs under one whole one whole theme. So in, in English, again, we might use the word chapter, but this is actually two chapters in the Bible, but it's one great thought, and it deals with moral messiness. It's where, it's where the thinking is twisted, and because of that, actions are twisted, and because of that, bodies get messed up, um, relationships get messed up, and it's a moral mess. And so he concludes it with the big idea, and the big idea is chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay, honor God. That's the big idea here. You honor God in all that you do. Go back and look at the verse again. Verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples? That's the dwelling place. That's the temple is the idea of this is, your body is the, the place where the Holy Spirit lives so people sometimes think the holy spirit lives in the world he doesn't the holy spirit lives inside of believers okay this room is affected because it's filled with believers where you go you change the the attitude the feel of a room because the holy spirit walks with you so you and and john actually writes this in the gospel of john that jesus says i'm going to go i'm going to leave you a comforter and he will be an advocate for you. He will convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he will be your friend and he'll be your guide into all truth. That's the Holy Spirit coming. So chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? He dwells inside of you. Whom you received from God. The church didn't give this to you. You couldn't go get it. Couldn't get it at a store. Can't pick it up any other way. So you honor God with your body. What you have. Your mind, your soul, your strength, your arms, your, your feet, your mouth. Everything about your attitude, your heart, everything. You, you honor God because you are not your own. You were bought with a price. There was a big price put on you and it was paid for in the blood of Jesus. Jesus bought you and because he bought you, he has the rights to you. Hope you get this. And because of that now, you honor God with your body. Now that's the big idea if you get nothing else from the message. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, back up a page. Here's the issue. The issue is, how in the world am I going to honor God with my life? How am I going to do that? I'm going to do that, number one, by keeping my vows. Okay, I'm going to give you four, four real high points to this passage. Chapter 5, verse 1. It is actually reported among you that there's sexual immorality among you. A kind that's not even with the pagans, they don't even tolerate it. A man sleeping with his father's wife, probably his stepmom, we're hoping. Okay, and you are proud. Shouldn't you have rather gone into mourning or put that man out of the fellowship for doing this? Shouldn't you have done something about this? You, don't, don't enable this behavior. Don't sweep it under the rug. 
Keep your vows. Don't celebrate it. Don't honor it. Don't think, oh, it's in vogue. It's okay to do it. Sometimes people change definitions of things, thinking, well, if we just change the definition of something, it'll go away or it'll get better somehow. It doesn't. What happens is you've just given it a, a new kind of slant, but it's still the same sin, and it's, it's never been tolerated. Keep your vows. And if you do not do that, what will happen is it will affect you, but it will affect the other people in the church body as well. And he illustrates that by saying it's like yeast in a, in a lump of dough. It's going to raise, that yeast is going to affect the whole loaf of bread if you don't deal with the sin. You see, Satan's agenda is to get you feel, to feel less uh, offensive about sin and to think heaven is less appealing or that it's further away. It's to make you think that hell isn't so bad. I've heard this before. People have told me, and they find out I'm a pastor, and they go, yeah, I'm going to go to hell because that's where all my friends are. And I go, you don't go to hell because that's where your friends are. You can't even talk to your friends in hell. You don't, can't communicate with your friends in hell. But why would you get punished because of stuff, your, your friends, that's their decision. If they want to go to hell, that's their decision. Don't you go there just because they're there. And, and somehow they, they don't see hell as the horror that it really is. So you have to get in line with what God says about that sin. You have to mourn it. He says, shouldn't you have rather mourn it? Shouldn't you have grieved it? Shouldn't you have confessed it, turned from it? And then he says, and if the person won't change, they just won't give it up, then treat them like an unbeliever. Treat them as if they were never a believer. Treat them as if, and you need to be careful and cordial and all that. You, want, you don't want to malign them. But you don't trust them. Don't think for the moment that this is okay because it is going to affect the whole body. It's like that yeast will affect the whole, the whole lump of bread. So number one, keep your vows. Some of you are married, some of you, and, and you would, you'd be able to tell us this. And you, some of us in our church family have been married two, three, four, five times. And you're realizing, you know what, I get a marriage partner, but I, I've never gotten the perfect one yet. And you know Why? Because there isn't a perfect one out there. And when, if you get in the relationship, even if there were a perfect one, you've made it imperfect because you aren't perfect. Okay? So you, you run around looking for Miss Perfect or Mr. Perfect. It's not going to happen. The only one you can work on is yourself. Okay? So you work on, you fulfill your vows. You're married, stay married. Stay in that relationship if at all possible. Obviously there are exceptions. You're being abused or whatever. Um, you may have to, in self-defense, get away from that. But that, those are exceptions. The general rule is keep your vows. Number two, the way you honor God is in the way you treat outsiders, those who are outside the faith. Um, skip down to verse 9. I wrote you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people in this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing you so that you will not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister. Get this. He claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral, greedy, an idolater, slanderer, drunkard, swindler. Don't even eat with such people. Don't hang out with them. Don't socialize with them. Don't have them in your home. Don't go to their home. Why? Because, again, it will affect you. So it's not that people on the outside just have no expectation of them, but people inside the family of God, they say they're a brother or sister, then you need to act like a brother or sister just that simple so you need to drop all of your expectations of people on the outside here's 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 the biggest bum rap right now you know i, I go to give the gospel to someone 
tell them the good news. They'll say, I can't obey all the rules. And the answer is, you're absolutely right. None of us can. So drop all of that because most people say, well, all they do is harangue me for whatever, and they fill in the blank. And they're absolutely right. By the way, if you gave people lots of rules, that still wouldn't get them into heaven. It still wouldn't. I love um, what Timothy Keller said. By the way, if you read anything by Timothy Keller, um, it's some, he's written some great, great books. He's a pastor of Redeemer uh, Presbyterian Church in New York City. He's in an open forum at a university, and they asked him, um, will uh, homosexuality uh, get you into hell? Will that send you to hell? And he stopped, and he goes, mm, you're asking the wrong question, because... That's like asking, being heterosexual, will that get you into heaven? <laughs> no. What gets you into heaven? Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Settle that issue. You can clean up your life all day long and never really be good enough. So stop the expectations with people on the outside. Don't expect them to act saintly when they're not. The only thing that can really help them is personal faith in Jesus, so live out the faith for them. So number one, you honor God by keeping your vows. Number two, lowering your expectations. Drop them of those on the outside. Number three, you honor God by settling your differences in the way you handle those differences. Chapter six, pick it up at verse one. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you not dare take it to the ungodly for judgment instead of for the Lord's people? What was happening? They were having conflict in the, in the body and instead of settling it among themselves, they were suing each other in court. He says, or do you not know the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to be judged in trivial cases? You, you can handle this, he says. You can deal with this. By the way, when you're talking about heaven, everything else is trivial. Everything else is trivial. They were taking each other to court as if to say to the whole public, we can't tell right from wrong. And Paul's saying, it'd be better for you just to be wronged over a small issue. Let that entanglement go. Not worth it. So even in the way you handle your differences, make sure that you honor God. And then honor God really with this, fourthly, with this, this hope that change is absolutely possible. Now, um, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, don't you know that your body's You've been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. That, that's a great one to memorize. But let me give you another one to memorize as well. Chapter 6, verse, pick it up at verse 9. Or don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you, what's it say? Were. were. That's what some of you, what's it say? Were. were. Keep that in mind. Okay? That's what some of you were, but, pick it up now, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. The way you can honor God is by keeping the hope that change is absolutely possible. 
And he begins to list the sins, and he can't get them all. I'm convinced of it. He's just naming a few that he thinks of when he thinks about that church. He says, you are immoral, you're idolaters, you're adulterers, you're fornicators, you, you, you have men having sex with men, and that's what some of you were. Now, is, there are tenses, and other languages have other tenses, but in our English, we have basically past, present, and future. Right? And sometimes we get those confused, but the word were is in the past. I get that. That's really simple. Now go back and look at that verse again. Or thieves or greedy or drunkards. And by the way, when you look at the, the verse, initially when you look at it, you go, neither sexually immoral. You're, you're checking it off in your head. I, I know you are. It's not me. I'm okay. Adulterers. Well, yeah, no, no, not a whole lot. Sex with men. Thieves. Have I ever stolen any? Okay, Paul, you're getting a little too close. You're talking about doing other stuff while on the job or just borrowing a tool from the neighbor and not returning it because it was really good. Or drunkards. I never took the test, so they really can't say. Slanders. That guy really deserved it, though. He really deserved to be slandered. And swindlers. That's my brother-in-law. I mean, that's... That's my, I mean, is he not going to go to heaven? So, you, you see, I hope you get this, because he's, he's listing a variety of sins, and he gets all of us somewhere at least a little bit. And you see, the, the issue is, none of us can meet all of the mark all the time. So eventually, we're all going to be guilty. Okay? And because we're all guilty, then we all perish. We all have to pay for our own sin unless someone comes and pays for it. And because Jesus paid for it, he says, now you are no longer practicing those things because you're following Jesus. And because you're following Jesus, he's giving you liberty from that. And that tells you that's what some of you were. And I say to you, and you struggle with alcohol today, there's recovery for you. That doesn't have to define your present. It can only define your past. You can have recovery. Some of us in the room have sexual desires for the same sex. And some have sexual desires for anyone. I mean, they're just full of lust. They're sexually addicted. There are, there are people who would say, I'm just so driven. I'm heterosexual or homosexual. It doesn't matter. But I, I am driven. And that can be not a part of your present. It can be part of your past. It can be a part of your past that you can let go of. There is recovery from that. Now, he says, that's what some of you were. But and here's how you, the recovery happens. Verse 11. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed. Get that. In the... Titus would say, in the regeneration, the washing through Jesus Christ, he washes you clean and fresh like you're brand new off the shelf. Okay? He washes you. you are, and if you want to write that down, you're washed. Secondly, you are sanctified. Okay? That means you are set apart as now holy. That's what sanctified means. You are set apart for a special use of that of holiness. Um, we have some dishes in our house we have everyday dishes that are in this one cabinet we pull them out well, they're, they're pulled out every day 
In fact, we pull them out so often that sometimes we pull them out of the dishwasher before we even put them back, we were setting up for another meal. You ever do that? Just like, oh my gosh, we had these at breakfast or at lunch, now we're having them at dinner. These are daily dishes. These are normal dishes. But then if you go into our dining room, we have, we have a dining room that has a cabinet that has some heavier dishes in it. And these dishes we got early in our marriage, and they are beautiful. They, are, they remind us of things you know, from way long ago in our past. These are special dishes. Make sense? And we only pull them out for special occasions. And then we have one plate in that cabinet that we pull out for birthdays. And that plate says, you are special today. <laughs> yeah. Not tomorrow. <laughs> Just today. And the birthday person gets that plate at dinner. Okay? It says, and it says you are special today. Those are special dishes, saved for special occasions. Okay? In some senses, that this, those are sanctified dishes because they are set apart for a special use. You have that, right? You have decorations in your attic right now that were melting up until two days ago, and you're going to pull them down the day after Thanksgiving, and you're going to throw them back up there somewhere around January 1. They are set apart for a special use, right? You have certain tablecloths, right? You have festive tablecloths. You have holiday tablecloths. You have tablecloths with snowflakes on them or reindeer or... You have summer tablecloths that are set apart for a season. They're for a specific use. Now, what, what God does is this. He says, I'm going to wash you clean. Go back now to verse 11. Verse 11. But you were washed. Get in the middle of the verse. I'm going to wash you clean, put you back in the cabinet. Get this? You are going to be sanctified. You are set apart for specific use, not use of your own. Not for just any of anybody's use. Anybody can do anything with you, what they want. No, you can't. Why? Because you're under new management. You're under new property. I can't do that. Why? Because I, I got bought out. I'm under new ownership. That's the end of the chapter. You, you honor God with your body. Why? Because I got bought with a price. You see that? So when someone says to you, you're cheap. No, I'm not cheap. I'm valuable. Jesus loves me, and he came to die for me. Therefore, I have been set apart for a specific use, not, that's not the only key word. You have washed, sanctified, and now you are justified, which is the legal term. And in biblical terminology, justified is, is the legal declaration that this is signed, sealed, and delivered. So then it's saying, you are set right, you are set okay, you are clean, and it's like you're stamped and approved. And now when you read that verse now, but you are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. I hope you get this. So you are loved and valued and that, that Jesus would come to earth and buy you out of slavery, wash you clean, set you apart for special use. Now, you turn the page to the end of chapter 6. Now, this chapter 6, verse 19 makes a whole lot more sense now. Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? God's walking with you. Therefore, you can't just do anything you want if you're a believer in Jesus. Why? Because you're under new management. And, and he's walking with you. He lives inside of you. And you've received him not from some church service or somebody or you went to the store and got it. You, no. God gave the Holy Spirit to you the day you came to Christ in faith. So you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You, you have value on your head. And you, therefore, you do 
you, you honor God with your body. And that doesn't matter who you are or where you are or what the activity is. You're, you're, you're asking yourself, is that honorable to God? Because I'm under management. Uh, I, do I have the right to do that? I, he's walking with me through that. Do I want him to go through that with me? And, it, and when you know the Holy Spirit walks with you, then you can go through any kind of problem case. Why? Because you know the Holy Spirit's there to be your friend and your guide into all truth and your comfort and your protection. You cannot lose when you walk with the Spirit of God in your life and you're aware of the Spirit. So, here's the big idea. Honor God. Honor God. Wherever you go, just honor God with your life. Ask yourself, is this honorable to the Lord? Because I am under new management. Amen? Let's bow for prayer. Would you bow with me? And as we bow, let's stand to our feet. Would you? We want to just honor you, God, in the way we keep our vows. We want to be people who keep our word, whether it's marriage or anything else. We just want to keep our vows. We want to honor you, Lord, by not judging people too quickly, too harshly, especially those who are far from the faith. Wouldn't do any good anyway. We want to honor you, Lord, in the way we handle our hard days, our differences. And we want, to ha- we want to honor you, God, because we know, we know, God, you're the source of hope and you are the source of real change. And we know we were in the pit, deeply so. And you pulled us out. And so we just want to honor you. God, I pray for those who are close to coming to Christ because they're now getting to see a crystal clear um, view of it, that there's nothing righteous that we could ever do. I pray for that one or two or three people in the room who just would say to you, God, I need Jesus to be my Savior because I can't keep up all the rules and now I'm beginning to see it. But I can allow the Savior to pay for it and I can trust him because he's trustworthy. If you're turning to Christ in faith, that's a wonderful thing. And I know even as I close in prayer, I, I may have stirred something in your heart. You may need to pray and Wayne will be up here at the front on your left and would be his honor just to pray over you or pray for you. So Father, as you stir in our lives to change, May we cooperate with you and stay in step with what your spirit wants to do. Because above all else, we just want to honor you. And it's to your glory we pray these things, the church would say. Amen.